Good morning, Zhuzhers. Uh, this is Star Trek Zhuzherations. I'm Jack Tracy, your host as always. Zhuzhing, the more interesting, shall we say, episodes of Star Trek. Today, we continue through Voyager Season 3. Probably only have two more episodes after this before we're done, and we take a little hiatus. In the hiatus, though, we're going to have plenty of viewing parties and exclusive content only for the patrons. So if you like this podcast and you want to help support it, you can go to patreon.com slash Star Trek Zhuzh, Z-H-U-Z-H, and sign up for the Ensign tier, which is only five bucks. More if you want more content, you're going to get early episodes and exclusive episodes and watch parties, video versions. Hi, patrons. You're seeing me on the video version right now. Just waved to you. Uh, and at the very least, of course, you can follow me for free on Instagram at Instagram. I was gonna, you know, I was going to say Instagram.com again. I can't stop it. I can't stop saying Instagram.com. On Instagram at Star Trek Zhuzh, Z-H-U-Z-H. And uh, yeah, so let's get into it. Almost on Twitter, Twitter at Star Trek Zhuzh. I've, I've started exploring Twitter. There's a big Star Trek Twitter, and I just, I feel like I need to be part of it. So, anywho, um, let's start with some general observations. So last week I talked about how season three is pretty much um, aimless for Voyager. They're done with the Kazon arc. They're done with the Seska arc. They haven't quite come across the Borg arc yet, which means... It's kind of just meandering, if I if I say so. There are great episodes, for sure. I wouldn't even say great. There are solid episodes. But this season, among all seasons, feels just like TNG. And most of these episodes could be done on TNG. They're just one-shots sci-fi adventures and as you're going to see from this particular crop of episodes we're doing today almost every single one of them is just a rehash of a tng episode or in some cases a d space nine episode or in some case a movie in the franchise um there's just so many similarities that that even though they make it different and they might be entertaining It's kind of like, I've seen this already. I've seen this before. It's not new and exciting. I'm not surprised. I know exactly how this is going to go. So, you know, as I I said now on a much earlier podcast, I think at the beginning of Voyager, when I started it, that is definite. If you entered the Star Trek universe at Voyager, you're not going to think that. But if you entered the Star Trek universe before then, you'll... This this won't be the first time you've seen these stories. And sure, Next Gen told some stories that were very similar to TOS. In fact, taking some abandoned TOS scripts or for the Phase 2, thinking mostly about The Child from Season 2, um, among other things. But, I mean, those were 20, 30 years apart. So this was literally like, oh, I just saw TNG do this three years ago, four years ago. So that's where I fall with it. Not to say they're not good. They're just not. There's very few episodes. I can't actually I can't think of a single one in the season where it's like, wow. Maybe I maybe we'll get there. Maybe I talked about one last week. I don't know. Everything's starting to bleed together. I've been doing this for too long. Anywho, um, let me know if you agree with me in the comments. Or on the Instagram. 
All right, so today I am doing one, two, three, four, five, six episodes of season three, the next six, and I need to judge four of them. This is probably our worst track record to date. Four out of six, not good. I think the next batch starts to make up for it, but there is an episode in the next batch that I think is one of the top five worst Voyager episodes ever made. And it's not a Chakotay episode. <laughs> um, so instead of going in order, as, as always, I like the good, the bad, the zhuzh. So let's start with the good. Of this batch of episodes, I think the best one is Macrocosm. Now, the CGI is... But we forgive that because of the time, of the time period when this when this was made. So, if you can forgive the CGI, especially at the end where the, so this is the macro virus that's floating around the ship, especially the end where it like tries to get Janeway and Janeway kills it. It's like, ooh, we're just we're just figuring out green screen, you know. So it's a little it's a little cringe watch, but the episode itself is solid. Love seeing the diehard Janeway. We get her again in uh, Haunting of Deck 12. We kind of get her in Year of Hell. Um, really, really, really like um, diehard Janeway. Very fun. Um, the episode, however, as you're going to hear me say throughout, this is it. There was a very TNG vibe to this. This felt very Genesis. Two members of the crew return from being away. They show up on a ship that's like broken down. Um, everyone is sort of transforming in a way. Here they're they're being you know husks to alien flies. Um, uh, you know, so there's a real I don't know. It just felt very similar to Genesis. Um. But the, the, the show itself is really suspenseful and interesting. Um, it's a good Halloween episode. Like this and Haunting of Deck 12, I would put as my like two Halloween episodes. If I were, you know, I'm seeing now because of the time period, people, the time that is right now, people are talking about what are the best Christmas episodes of Star Trek? And the only Christmas episode, honestly, the only Christmas anything in Star Trek to me is um, Generations because in the Nexus... Apparently, Picard, his biggest wish is to live in a live in the Christmas Carol, um, some Dickensian fantasy. Uh, that's the only one. Now, some of the mood, like First Contact, is Christmas to me only because it came out around that time, and like I have a like there was a Christmas of mine that was. All of the first contact figures, the first contact ships, getting the movie on VHS. <laughs> so to me, first contact is very Christmas just because of my personal life, but not because of the show itself. Um, yeah, so if you're doing Halloween episodes, I think it's TNG Genesis, Empok Noor from Deep Space Nine, uh, Haunting of Deck 12, Macrocosm. Probably more, but those are the ones that, that come to mind first. Um, yeah, so I think it's great. No notes other than maybe on an HD revamp, 
that they're never going to do. Um, fix the fix the CGI there. Next to me is honestly Fair Trade, which some of you might bulk at. But this is a really great Neelix episode. Neelix isn't annoying. Neelix, Neelix basically gets caught up in a drug deal. And, you know, the whole thing about him feeling less useful on the ship because they're moving out of known space to him. Um, he tries to be useful and in it gets sort of... And it, it's that... He's got that feeling and then he's got the feeling of having... You know, he's got a friend who served time for something they did together. Um, in fact, if I haven't seen the movie yet, I don't think it's out yet, but there's a trailer. I think one of the new Creed movies is basically this. Like, the newest Creed movie is, like, they did a crime together. The main character, the Michael B. Jordan character, is lived a great life or, you know, lived a life that the guy wished he would have had the one who went to jail, the friend, and now he's back. Well, the friend's back for revenge in the movie, it seems. But um, it's that, you know, it's a great, yeah, it's really interesting. I, I liked this. I liked the setup. It felt interesting. The fact how Neelix, you know, steps up to fix it is great. The fact that he is actually, you know, reprimanded in a way. His conversation with Janeway at the end, after his hero turn, I just think that it was great structure. It was interesting to see Neelix like wrestling with his conscience and doing a the wrong thing for the right reasons. Um, this was one of those episodes that made me like Neelix more, instead of being the you know annoying snarf Jar Jar Binks of the Star Trek universe. This one really humanized him for me, and it was a Kess less story for the most part neelix being defined outside of his <laughs> jealous rage love for guess so i really liked it which leads us to the zhuzhs and again i think this is another one where i think some of you are going to come at me and say i can't believe you're judging some of these episodes especially because when i was reading i do some research on I do do some research on this podcast. And when I was doing the research, there were some that um, there was like, oh, this is one of the best episodes and it was so greatly reviewed and people loved it. And it's like, it's not that I didn't like it. It's that a lot of these episodes, there are, there are so many Voyager episodes that are like solidly entertaining, but they just miss like, like, just a little thing or a little something or a little added would have made it different and elevated it. There were very few episodes of Voyager that I walked away, like, affected by. And there were a lot of episodes of TNG and Deep Space Nine I walk away affected by. Voyager, I walk away from a lot of the episodes like, that was cool. Oh, that was nice. Oh, that was better than I remembered. But not, I mean, we'll get to, well, there's one in the next batch or two batches from now, there, there are definitely some, but not a lot. And so for me, most of these zhuzhs are doing something to just make it more. Okay, so going from least zhuzhable to worst zhuzhable. So there are four episodes, but one of them is a two-parter. So we're going to kill two in one discussion, which is Future's End. Uh, at the beginning, the time ship shows up and says, oh, there's an explosion uh, that happens in our future, and it's because of you. There was debris from you. So I got to destroy you right now. Um, 
And through hijinks, they get transported back to present-day Earth. Now, this is very Voyage Home. No whales. Time ship instead of whales. But, you know, it's it's they're taking the basic premise and plot points from Voyage Home. They're in regular clothes. They split up. Fish out of water. Um, pairing them in interesting teams. I thought... Tuvok Paris were an interesting couple. Obviously, Janeway Chakotay. There's a there's a big fandom on Twitter for people who like that pairing. Um, <laughs> I see it in my feed all the time. People really wanted them to fuck. Um, eh, Harry Kim left on the ship. It's it's yeah. It it's very it's very voyage home in a way. Um, there's a lot about this episode, this two-parter that I like. First off, it's extremely well shot. They shot it like a movie. There are, there's cinematography in it that just feels like it's an elevated production. Like this, this episode clearly had more money put into it. And you can feel it from the way it's shot, from the way, um, the way it looks. Even just, even the, the, the Voyager shots, not just on the planet, um, it was difficult, you know, they're all in sunlight for most of it, so, you know, the lighting on the planet isn't great because they're in broad daylight, and that always looks a little weird. A lot of the shots on the planet seem very just, like, blown out because of how sunny it is. So that, that you know, but they can't control the sun. Um, but yeah, no, I just was shot very well. Um, I like the temporal stuff. It sets up, however, better uh, time ship Braxton temporal prime directive episodes. Um, Relativity being one of my favorites. Um, so it sets that up, but it's not the best of the time episodes. Um, I enjoy Braxton as like a homeless person. Um having lived on Earth for a long time and now being like a crazy person like that, that that part where Janeway and Chakotay have to basically disavow him when he's being picked up by the police, that that packed a punch to me. That was one of those moments of like, ooh, this is real, this is sad, this is real drama, this is, this is a, a really nice moment. Sarah Silverman's great. Sarah Silverman's incredible. I love her. Apparently there was talk about bringing her onto the show full time. Um... But she was, you know, she was, um, Dr. What's-Her-Face? Jillian? Is her name Jillian? She was the Georgian Gracie's, um, mom. <laughs> she was the whale lady. Uh, so she was basically the whale lady. Um, again, good show. Interesting. Not new. Really great that the, um... This is the thing this episode, this two-parter gives us, of course, is the mobile emitter. That's the most consequential thing to come out of this, and it really expands the doctor. That's great. Um, the guest star, the guest star is great. Like Ed Begley Jr. is the villain, is great. But he's played and written, I think, mostly as a Bond villain. His pathos, his. He's not very complex. And his jump from um, wealthy capitalist 
to like holding his empire together and having a place in society to torturing the doctor. It just felt very mustache twirly villainy. And it felt like if we would have centered his character more on his his desperate need to continue inventing and keep his status as sort of he's basically Elon Musk really to be the Elon Musk of you know the 1990s um could could give him a little more of a sympathetic turn even if ultimately making the bad decisions and he's not sympathetic in this at all he's just evil bad guy bad guy do bad things and the fact that he so quickly jumped to torture and hostage taking and all of that just felt very i don't know it didn't feel right that that's where he would go i i can't be reasoned with um um megalomaniac sure but i felt like his jump into like having this violent handyman his i mean at some point i was expecting him to like throw a hat (laughs) <laughs> like the, I don't know. I don't really watch Bond, but I know the general tropes. But like the Bond villain that like throws the hat, and in Austin Powers, they had someone throw a shoe. Like it felt, it just felt like the villain part of it was corny. Um, I liked him stealing the Doctor. I liked the um the fact that he has Sarah Silverman basically looking out for should someone come for this technology eventually. I liked that. I liked that he was a real foil for Voyager, that he could actually cause damage, that it wasn't just... You know, that, you could, that he could use the 29th century technology to actually be a real threat. The decoy, like... And also, now thinking about it, a lot of this stuff was kind of borrowed for Picard Season 2. Like the whole decoy thing and the... It's... And Voyager... Sorry... Picard season two also has a big voyage home kind of side of it too, coming to present day, so you can save money. Um, yeah. So to me, the judge is very. Also, it reverts to nothing. They at least keep their memories of the events, thank goodness. But and also the torpedo at the end, the fact that it's just like, God damn it, I tried to reason with them, shoot him. It's just a little anti, not grand enough. Right. So this one, like, I'm not going to screw with it too much. Honestly, I'm just going to, I'm going to make the villain slightly more sympathetic and more tragic. I think in a way that they did really well with, um, what's his face in Year of Hell? Um, the Kremen guy. I think his name started with an A. Anyway. Um... So, he, I think the way you do that is you make him, you you amp up the, the, he's in a little bit of a crisis. He has borrowed too much debt, uh, and his creditors are starting to come after him. Um, he's worried he's going to lose his way of life. It's why he has to go to the future. He needs a bigger idea. He needs better. Um, that the walls, make it m- more potent that the walls are closing in on him and he's desperate and he can't just retire like he can't he's done so he's too fueled by um 
ambition, right? So, and in the end, I think if Janeway offers him, you've already experienced all this technology, you know we exist, we have to, we have to save the timeline as best we can, why don't you come with us? You know, you can learn about the technology here. You can, you know, you're more, sure, you know, 29th century technology, you're more advanced than us, but, you know, rather than, you know, just come with us instead. And he, you're a great inventor, you can invent things here, you know. And instead, he's just like, why would I, why would I be a novice in the future when I can be a god in the present, you know? And then blow him up in a different way. Or, you know, I think about an interesting blow up in, because I watched this episode the other day in Next Generation Starship Mine, where the reveal is took the, took the thing off the, the, the trilithium container and then looked out the window as it blew up. Something like that. They they tampered with the time ship in some way. So they know it's not going to work. I don't know, because then that makes them sort of callous. And they just don't be in, you know, drop your shields, beam over, you know. Instead of the don't damage the future, save yourself kind of way. I don't know. Just it needed something bigger than the torpedo. All right. So that moves us to the next Shizable, which I think people really love this episode. And this one always irritated me, which is the Q and the Gray. Now let's start off first. Q's great. Q's lines are great. Q's love Q. Q and Janeway's chemistry, great. Love them playing together. The fact that it's a little more, you know, on the romantic side of things rather than a aren't you a curious pet way of Picard. Like it. Never really developed, you know, they abandoned Q in Deep Space Nine. Uh, rightfully so. Um, like that it's connected to the Quinn story. Love Lady Q. Love that actress. Loved her as Kalar the most, but love that actress. Love Lady Q. Great, 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 great. Um, the issue for me, one... The idea of a Q mating with a human and him needing Janeway and all that is dumb. It doesn't make any sense. And it doesn't make any sense for two reasons. One, he's Q. He could immaculately conceive any he could you know he could be a he could just make an immaculate conception. He could create a human and mate that wants to and mate with her. He could um he could create the DNA necessary and just snap and it's inseminated and here it is. You know, there was never any sense to the fact that he needed to like physically procreate with an existing human and the need for it to be Janeway. I mean, he wanted it to be Janeway, but like that didn't, it just, it felt weird and that it didn't really make sense to have a cue and also it's like oh and this will be novel and it'll give something interesting to the cue what about the episode true cue it's already happened 
there already is a reproduced child from two from two Q that grew up on Earth that um, um, Q showed up to murder and turn Beverly into a dog, which then he gives a puppy to Janeway. So it's like, are you, you're like taking elements of that episode, but like forgetting that you're, you're not, you're forgetting the, the, what actually happened in it, but like, you know, it's a dog and it's a, it's Q's conceiving. It's like, it's like they took elements of that story, made a different story about it and forgot that that story exists or ignored that that story existed to make the idea of two Q's mating novel. I, so I didn't like it, the very prem, the premise of it. And we also have to talk about Star Trek, unfortunately, in this instance, romanticizing the South in the Civil War. I understand it for the time it was in, in, in like the 90s. But I think when we look at it today, and I think we're coming to terms with this as a society, fortunately... The South should not be glorified. It was an or a side of the country that said, you ain't going to tell me I can't own people and make them work for me for nothing and trade them like cattle. So we are going to secede from the Union and go to war with you over that. And this whole... This whole PR campaign through time to make the South seem like, oh, and the ladies of the South and Southern hospitality and the men fighting in the war and this and that. They were traitors attempting to con- attempting to continue the practice of slavery. That's who they were. And I don't like I don't like the romanticization of the South. And Star Trek certainly shouldn't be one of the properties doing it. If anything, if you make this a representation of a historical war, at least put them on the north. You know? I don't know. I don't like that. And But I get, like, you want them in a Q war, so you want... And they can't really comprehend what that would look like because it's so beyond. So, like, put them in a, a circumstance they can understand... There were many other options. Voyager did it much better when they were in World War II. And I understand if you did it here, you probably wouldn't have the killing game, which is great. But that was really good. Because it was clear that they were fighting on the side of the good guys. In this scenario, they are the bad guys. And I don't like it. So I, the way I would judge this, honestly, is I the only thing I would really keep is that there's fallout from Janeway's decision to let Quinn be mortal and then Quinn ultimately kill himself, okay? That's it. I'm not doing the procreation. I'm not doing the Civil War. Nothing like that. Instead, I'm going to call back to Farpoint. Janeway is swept away to be put on trial for genocide. The judge is Lady Q. Our Q, not, you know, having tried to stop this from happening, shows up to help, represent, assist Janeway in some way. And the argument is, what has happened since you let that happen is hundreds of Q 
have decided to do this. And if this continues, the Q faces extinction from the amount of Q that are bored of existence and turning mortal to kill themselves. It's just become an epidemic, and it's Janeway's fault for allowing this, for interfering and allowing this to happen. So they're putting her on trial, and the the uh, penance, the judgment, if she's found guilty, is to wipe humanity from existence. So high stakes, Ret- getting the the you know getting the the trial back, getting Lady Q in the judge's robes, um, another trial of humanity, which which is interesting. Maybe a cameo from an Enterprise person about the Farpoint trial, you know, like, I don't know. Um, But I think that's a much more interesting story. You can do another, you know, court story. This time Q is is attempting to help Janeway. You can get, he's annoying her, but you can get sort of their fondness for each other baked in. Um, At the end, like, you can have really great arguments and it seemed like Janeway's, like, winning that it's just not her you know it it wasn't she was asked to adjudicate that's the judgment she came to it is not her you know fault that this was the fallout she couldn't have you know imagined that was going to be the fallout q himself warned you dot 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 so it seemed but it seems like she's going to win and in the end they just don't care they're like this basically that the trial was a sham um that it was something q man they were just going to wipe humanity out and it was Q that pushed them to do the trial, basically, because he had done it before with the Enterprise. But it was a sham. And he was worried it was a sham, but it was a sham. So how does it end? Does humanity get wiped out? No. They come up with the idea of a compromise, which is that it's not humanity's fault that Q have advanced to the point where life is boring. There's nothing to do. It feels endless and meaningless. And yes, maybe mortality being, you know, experiencing mortality will change that, will make life more interesting. So the Q come to an agreement, a resolution that anybody who wants to make themselves mortal to experience mortal existence is free to do so. However, when they die or after, you know, a hundred years experiencing life as a mortal, or if they are killed in some way during that hundred years, an accident or yada yada, they don't die, they return to the Q continuum. And they teach the Q about their experiences living as such. And sort of it's like the Q create a culture of reincarnation. Experiencing mortality coming back, and the hope is that some of humanity and some of, you know, using powers for good and that kind of stuff starts getting baked into the DNA of what it is to be Q. And that's the resolution. I think that's a more interesting story that doesn't um, um, glorify traders who wanted to enslave humans. Right. Which brings us to our final Zhuzh episode, which is Warlord. My issue with Warlord is there is nothing original about this story. It's possession again. 
It's Power Play from TNG. It's The Passenger, I believe, from Deep Space Nine with Bashir. We have seen it. We have seen it a million times. There is nothing new and interesting about this. The episode itself is fine. Kess's acting is hit or miss. Sometimes it's frightening and cool. Sometimes it's way over the top. Um, I like her weaponizing her telepathic powers. And the best thing to come from this episode is the rift starting between her and Neelix to like stop that. Um, but all in all, I'd just rather watch Power Play. More, it's a better episode. It's more interesting. Um, so I'm really not sure how to judge this one because honestly, I would just tell a different cast story. I, 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 I don't know how you keep the premise of this because the premise is just a premise that was told over and over and over and over again. Um, so if you're going to keep the premise and not just do, an, do a different cast episode is... I think you have to make the episode less about the possession and her doing bad things being controlled by this alien and more about the fallout from it. So take the plot, squish it down, and make it happen within the first act, the first two acts, or only happen, learn about it through flashbacks where that's not happening in real time, but we start with an isolated, depressed, um, just just absolutely heartbroken Kess, who's not talking to people on the ship, who's not working in sick bay, who's not, and it you know the doctor's reaching out and Neelix is reaching out and she just wants to be left alone, and she's dealing with the fact that we learn through the episode that this happened to her. And when the, the the person, the criminal, was inhabiting her body, killed someone. Not even just injured a main cast member, because she's done that with... She's melted two Vox faces off already. But killed a secondary character. Maybe it's someone we just introduced for this episode. Maybe this is where we kill Carrie, since you know we've deleted Fury from the timeline. Um, and... She feels, even though intellectually she knows she didn't do it because she was pushed aside, her body was just being used as a vessel, she has to deal with the fallout, having the memory, knowing, seeing herself doing it, feeling unable to stop it. Almost similar to uh, Picard, his lingering guilt over being Locutus, you know, that you see him break down in family about. Um, with his brother in the mud, which is a great scene. Make the episode about, not about the possession, but about how do you move on after it. And I think that is a much better Kess episode. Gives her growth, lets her have independent character moments with Janeway, with the Doctor, with Neelix. Those are obviously the big three. Maybe with Paris. Um, with Tuvok, you know, all trying to help her move past this. So that is how I would change this episode. I think it would be more weighty and not something we have seen a million fucking times. All right. So those are my zhuzhs. What do you think? Do you like? 
Are you mad that I judged a Q episode? Are you surprised I liked a Neelix episode? Um, yeah. Would you do things differently? Did I delete something from an episode you actually really liked? Did I ruin the continuity of Voyager by changing something that pays off later? Let me know. The way you can let me know is by commenting either on Twitter, uh, tagging Star Trek Zhuzh, or commenting on a post on Instagram, Star Trek Zhuzh, Z-H-U-Z-H. Think about joining that Patreon so you can uh, stay with, you know, we've only got about two episodes left before I take a hiatus, and during the hiatus, it's going to be Patreon-only events. So until I return... I have an idea of what I'm going to do, but I'm going to keep that under wraps until the relaunch. So now's a great time to join. Great Christmas present to me if you would join the Patreon. Patreon.com slash Star Trek Shush. Until next week, uh, make it so.